Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And what is up? Welcome in Monday episode of GC Live. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark. Uh, show is presented, as always, by our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com. 803-771-6933. Of course, if you're in the market for a new home, give Clint a call. He can help walk you through that process. And uh, in MLS number, you would think I would have memorized by now. 71597-C-Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com is the email address. Chris, what do you want to talk about? Nothing to talk about. Nothing, nothing going on. Nothing happened. No, uh, man. Interesting. <laughs> Here we go with the comments. Um, interesting weekend for South Carolina, right? I mean, there, there's actually a lot to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about what is on everyone's mind today. Uh, let's get right to it. The firing of Brian Harson. Um, all right. Yes. So, uh, I thought you're going to say Halloween candy. <laughs> yeah. Hall- we talked about Halloween candy for a good solid 15 minutes, I think on the 107.5 show. Um, but yeah, no, we're here to talk about, uh, to serve as your, I would say GC therapist, um, on what happened on Saturday, obviously South Carolina losing 23 to 10 to Missouri. Um, let down, of course, game, a, uh, you know, Beamer, Beamer even said it in the press conference right after the game. Um, and I, I was curious to see Chris, what his take was going to be. It felt just flat to me, like right off the bat. And I, I really, I don't really like that take. Um, normally when people say that, like when, when people, you know, you know, I've talked about this before. Like when people look at a, a baseball team not performing, they're like, oh, they're just sitting in the dugout. They don't look like they care. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But, um, you know, it just watching from the stands, it just felt flat in the first quarter. And sometimes, sometimes it's just performance. Like it's not really that you're flat. It's mm-hmm. just you're not playing well. But um, – just from where I was sitting, it just felt like it, it was almost, you know, and Preston, I thought Preston Thorne framed it up pretty well this morning um, when he said basically that there's all, you only have so much energy to exert. It, it felt kind of like last week with this was this huge emotional exertion. And then it felt like this week, everybody from the players to the fans, just kind of struggled to get back that extra edge that they had the week before. I mean, Beamer, Beamer said it in his presser, man, while we're talking about his post-game comments. He said that the team laid an egg. And that is that is pretty much what it was. I mean, there, there's no sugarcoating it. 
It was interesting, Wes, to kind of listen to his comments on Saturday and then listen to his comments on Sunday. There were some, I don't want to say consistent versus inconsistent. The messaging was consistent, but there was kind of a difference in tone, right? Some of the subject matter was different, and and we can dive into that. Some of that was a lot more big picture stuff. Some of it just related to the game. But, yeah, I mean, they just, they didn't play well. They didn't look prepared. Uh, they didn't catch any breaks. They lost the turnover margin again. Uh, not only did they not just have it even like it was against A&M in Kentucky, but they lost it. They they didn't make the small plays. The simple stuff looked incredibly difficult. Missouri looked like they had 15 guys out there on defense most of the game. Uh, the defense was pretty bad. In the first, I mean, there's no way else to say it. The defense was pretty bad the first half. Uh, Missouri had a great game plan, and Missouri had a great game plan defensively, and South Carolina evidently did not because uh, they didn't have a lot of running room. They were under constant duress. And then I think on top of that, just didn't make a lot of one-on-one plays. Some of South Carolina's best plays were, you know, outstanding individual efforts. You can think about a couple plays that Spencer Rattler made. Austin Stogner, think about when Marshawn Lloyd was in there, a couple individual plays that he made. Uh, but but nothing clicked in the game. And, and I thought whether you want to say it was flat, laid an egg, whatever it was, it, it just it was not a good performance. And I think Wes, and we're getting I'm getting a little bit bigger picture here, and I'll shut up in a sec. Last year, after the Kentucky game, remember South Carolina loses the Kentucky game. 16 to 10, and it was an incredibly disappointing game. After that, South Carolina alternated wins and losses for the rest of the season, which tells you two things. Number one, Shane Beamer did a good job of not letting his team fold, keeping things together, keeping his team close, but also the other side of that, that it was a wildly inconsistent team. We saw that all year. This year, the goal was to become more consistent And I think we have seen that to a degree. Again, this team had won four straight games. Uh, They had won back-to-back games. Big question for me was, can you take that emotional high against Kentucky and then go beat Texas A&M at home in a highly anticipated game? They did, and credit them for that. But then you come out in this game where there's a lot of anticipation, uh, a lot of fans wanting this game so badly to get bowl eligible bowl eligible, break another streak, do some things that haven't been done in a while around here, and then you come out flat and lay an egg. So that was an incredibly disappointing, you know, part of it, I think. Yeah, man, and I think you you look at this game and it's kind of like um, we, we framed it up. This is another opportunity. This opportunity to show you've made progress as a program, show that you can handle that high from last week against A&M and, you know, show you can come out there and perform again. And obviously that did not happen. And so, you know, I, I think obviously getting this out of the way, it's just very disappointing for the fans. Like I, I get the frustration. Um, you know, I, I think you look and Missouri just had a, an excellent game plan. And, you know, I, I thought Missouri offensively, you know, and a little bit of this is going to be carryover from what we talked about this morning on 107.5. but offensively, I think they knew they weren't going to have to score 35 points to win this game. So I I think they went in 
and um, they worked their plan to a T, and they said, we're not letting our guy get hit. Like, they put in a very um, – I, I don't want to say simple because I think simple is probably an insult to it because it had some layers to it, you know, but it was not a difficult-to-execute plan. Um, it did a good job of attacking South Carolina on the edges multiple ways, did a good job of um, mixing in the quarterback run enough to where South Carolina had to at least acknowledge Brady Cook in the running game. And I thought most importantly for them, it really put Carolina's front, which has been really, really good the last few weeks at putting pressure on the quarterback, getting hits on the quarterback. It put them in a position where they had to hesitate, where they had to play the run. And even when they got in third and long, Chris, even, you know, early early in this game, it's third and nine. What do they do? They they clearly had this installed for this exact situation. They motion everybody to the left. Four eligible receivers are to the left. They isolate their receiver on the right. They throw a quick screen out there, and um, he gets basically nine yards on third and nine and gets the first down. And, you know, the very first third and long of the game, Crowd is into it. Missouri's backed up. They don't even attempt to get the first down. They they just run the ball in this situation. So, you know, they run the ball and essentially are like, we're, we're okay punting. And I think they knew they were up against an offense that was not probably going to put up a bunch of points. So they just said our entire plan is going to be to not get our guy hit to be methodical, to run our offense, and we're going to be okay with the results. And that's exactly what happened. Well, because they did that, that opened up some throws down the field. They were able to use some play action on first and second on non-I-have-to-pass downs. Um, you know, and uh, it, it worked to perfection. South Carolina, on the other hand, got their quarterback hit, couldn't run the football, was in – must pass situations where Missouri, who had a very good, we knew coming in defensive front, they were able to do exactly what they've done most of the year and pin their ears back and go hit your quarterback. Yeah, I think South Carolina was just on its heels the entire game. You know, going in, you kind of thought, okay, South Carolina should have the advantage on Missouri in special teams, and they should have the advantage on Missouri when they're on defense, Missouri's on offense. Because, again, Missouri's offense has not been good this year. They have not. Statistically, eyeball tests, they've not been good. The question, it seemed, was kind of Missouri probably has the advantage defensively against South Carolina. So can South Carolina turn that around? And can they indeed win those other two areas? As it turns out, special teams was basically a wash, I think. And then Missouri was better in the other two phases of the game, and markedly so. So, you know, early in the game, Missouri goes up 17-0. They've got South Carolina on their heels because they're mixing things up between run and pass and vertical routes and sideways stuff and quarterback run and running the football, being patient, effectively administering the offense and not turning it over, just being very efficient. And then, you know, defensively just really getting after South Carolina. and. South Carolina kind of offense just kind of looked uh, – it, it looked like they were kind of just having to pull things out of desperation at times, quite quite frankly. Just kind of grab bag, nothing's working, to the extent that they got 
a couple things going. I remember there was a, a stretch where they, what I think they hit Xavier Leggett or Juice Wells or maybe one of the other on a couple of like quick hitters where they gained some yardage, but then you run the football and it's minus four. You know, they just couldn't get anything going. Couple of turnovers. Um, one of them was inconsequential from the fact that Missouri missed a field goal uh, after one of them, but but just couldn't get anything going, man. So incredibly uh, disappointing performance overall from what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, um, I don't know, it, it it's, I mean, we're going to try to break down the game. It gets to a point, though, I know y'all, um, <laughs> the fans don't, necessarily even want to hear it um but you know chris i I thought it just felt like everything and some of it obviously a lot of it was uh self-inflicted but a a great football team a really good football team can have one of those days where it just feels like everything's going wrong and to me it just felt like every time south carolina was about to get into some rhythm some something bad happened. Um, even something as small as like on offense, they get in some rhythm, maybe try to introduce a little bit of extra up tempo stuff. And either Carolina has a guy hurt or Missouri has a guy hurt. So it just stops the action. And it was like every single time, you know, it looks like they've got the big interception. DQ Smith. Um, this is not the reason they lost the game, but let me just say that's one of the worst calls all season long if it if anything when I saw the flag come out Chris and I I had a perfect view of that play when I saw the flag come out I was like I told somebody near I was like no no no, they're gonna call offensive PI there's no way this is defensive PI and um of course it ended up being defensive pass interference I'm like I, I have no idea how like the the offensive player you had two Carolina defenders there both going for the football DQ never even touched the guy, and Spalding got drugged down by their receiver. So, um, you know, I when that play happened, though, when he made the pick, I was like, that feels like a play that can maybe turn the momentum of this game. And, uh, again, not that call is not why they lost. But no, no. Um, it was bad. It out there. That no, was- I went back and watched that earlier today. He, I, the, the referee, the official had – his hand on his flag, pulling it out when the ball was still in the air. I mean, ball was not there yet. It, it was pretty bad. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, your your point is very valid. Had the same thought. There, there are two different points in the game, and I didn't write them down. I made a mental note in my head. I'm like, you got to remember the time on the clock. And I feel like one was in the third quarter, one was in the fourth quarter where you're going, is Missouri going to do a Missouri that we've seen this season? Because, again, they they have found so many ways to lose games this year, and they just never did. You're just waiting, you're waiting and waiting, and eventually the clock hits zero. <laughs> they just haven't had enough time. So Missouri played a clean game. South Carolina did not. And, and your point, Wes, about – let me adjust my camera. Sorry, guys. Uh, your point about great teams being able to survive something about this. I mean, look at the Georgia game. I mean, Georgia was number one at the time. They're playing in Columbia, Missouri. Really could have lost. If you want to say should have lost, whatever. Missouri has a first and goal from, like, the one-yard line, and they don't walk away with a touchdown in that situation because they fall started. So, uh, Missouri, you know, Georgia had four turnovers in that game. They played pretty poorly. They won. You know, they were able to eke out a win. 
South Carolina is not a program that can do that. I always talk about the low margin for error. We expected this to be a tight ball game. South Carolina was going to have to play well to win. Just because they beat Kentucky and A&M doesn't mean they had arrived and they'd be able to walk in against Missouri and just play okay and win. Even though, you know, notwithstanding Missouri's record, that's a good enough team to beat you uh, if you don't play well and, and some things bounce their way. And so that's kind of exactly what happened. Um, not only did South Carolina just not play well, they played pretty poorly for most of the game. Yeah, and it's easy to say, um, you know, my thought was, you know, Missouri didn't turn the football over um, because they were sort of playing from a point of strength the entire game. They had the lead. They were in control. Um, but even last week, I mean, they, they uh, you know, they played Vanderbilt and they had a 17-0 lead in that game and still had had their share of mistakes and let Vanderbilt back in the game. And and actually, Vandy had a, a shot to to maybe uh, to go win the thing and, and was not able to do it. But, you know, I, I'm with you. I kept waiting. I was like, is, is Missouri going to do something that – that like turns this game. Like even even some of their where they ended up just getting, you know, settling for field goals. I was like, this would be the time that Missouri throws a pick six or has a fumble that goes back the other way and just completely um changes the game. And uh, that that just never happened to give them credit. That never happened. Again, they had a great game plan. Um not not to get too deep into this because it, it doesn't really matter. But um, they they did some things on defense, Chris, that I haven't really seen many or any of South Carolina's opponents do this year. Um, and it, a lot of the times they were able to do it because South Carolina was in such third and long situations, like passing situations. But they sort of brought back that um, some teams used to call it like the amoeba defense, the amoeba <laughs> front. Yeah. Um, did you see one of the plays where – they like like two of their defensive linemen. They like dropped them off the line of scrimmage, almost like to the to the depth of linebackers. Yeah, just so they could get ahead of steam and just go flying forward. Did you see that? I did, and it worked. I well, mean, if you think about it, if you have a full head of steam running into somebody who's yeah, standing there, standing still. No, that's a that's a tough ask, and they've got uh, number nine just completely wrecked shop on I mean there was one sack of Spencer Rattler where he ran right through the offensive line and a back and sacked Spencer Rattler so it was a it was like a three for one <laughs> for that guy that, that they're good up front and um you know they cause a lot of issues and South Carolina certainly didn't help itself with how they played or how the game was administered this, this is one like I've almost like I'm right. I'm still trying to craft my insider report, my post game insider report, which will be now 48 hours probably eventually by the time I get it out, Wes. And I'm spending more time talking about big picture stuff really in, in this one because you kind of see the game. Some games you're trying to figure out what went wrong. It was kind of everything like offensively. If you're trying to figure out whether where to lay blame, like it was just kind of everything. Right. And I think, um, you know, whether you want to talk about, well, why was South Carolina running this or why did this person not play or Marshawn Lloyd couldn't play because he got banged up, which is obviously an issue for this team, and the quarterback play and the play calling, like all of that just combined 
into one a very very imperfect storm for South Carolina. Yeah, everything went wrong, and they did no, no favors for themselves to try and fix it. And uh, I mean, they tried to fix it, but could not fix it. Obviously, um, I, I get the frustration with um, you know offensive side of the ball, offensive coordinator, Mark Sapp. Like I, I get it, guys. I get the frustration. Um, has the offense been good enough? Absolutely not. Like we get it. Um, we're tired of talking about it too, frankly. Um, you know, we're not going to sit here and uh, and say it's been good enough when it has not. Um, you know, Beamer was asked about it in his teleconference yesterday, Chris, and um, you know, very quickly he was asked. Um, you know, have there been conversations about making a change at offensive play caller? And, um, you know, he very uh, succinctly, very quickly said, nope. So um, now I will say this, Chris, I mean, guys, this is not something, it, you know, if there's a change, if there's not a change, you know, timing wise, like I, I just, I don't think this is something that's going to play out in the public arena. You know, if, if they've had, especially the way it was asked, if they've had a conversation about that, he's not going to be like, Oh yeah, I I told him if it doesn't get better, I'm gonna fire you next week. You know, like that's not gonna. I don't think that's gonna be Beamer or pretty much any coach's mo um, to that question. You know, I don't I don't think he's gonna just throw one of his coordinators under the bus publicly. Um, you know, while obviously, uh, you know, he's he's gonna have some decisions to make at, at some point uh, this season or uh, postseason. Yeah, um, it, it was kind of interesting, Wes. Did you see what Mark Stoop said today? Th that was kind of unexpected. So, you know, asked about play calling, and, and I couldn't – what I couldn't figure out was whether he was talking about himself or Rick Scangarello. I always have trouble saying his name, his offensive coordinator. And he was asked about that and basically said something like, you know – it. I know it hadn't been good enough. It's got to get a lot better or you won't last. And I'm like, are you talking about the offensive coordinator? You talk about yourself. But look, here's here's something important to remember, and I'm having light issues today, so y'all bear with me. Um, I think it's important, and I'm writing about this this afternoon, to, to know how Shane Beamer views his program and what it wants to be. So he's going to focus on positives. Um, he's going to project confidence in everything. Um, and I think what people look, you should not be surprised that a coach that you're right. No coach is going to say, yeah, man, I'm really thinking about it. I'm probably going to pull that trigger. Not going to say that reporters are going to ask that because we're at the point in the season. If things aren't going well, where it gets asked, we've seen that we've seen it with Steve Spurrier. Who's calling plays. What you going to do about it? We've seen it with Will Muschamp multiple times. Are you going to change play callers? Have you thought about it? What about the offense? And now, you know, we're seeing it with Beamer. And it's it's almost kind of like a box check, right? Like you got to ask it, and then the coach is going to say some form of no, or we'll talk about that later, or, or whatever it may be. I think what people are maybe concerned about, Wes, is like how he said it, right? But again, I kind of go back to the fact of, number one, like you said, Shane Beamer is not the type of guy where he's going to say, yeah, I think we'll probably make a change. He's not going to do that. And number two, he is somebody who's going to project that confidence. He's very much a 
we're a team. We win and lose as a team. That's why you see when he's asked about the offense, he's going to bring in the defense and special teams and how they have to play better. If he's asked about a single player, he's going to say we got to play better around that player. Um, he's always going to bring things back to the team, and that's just how he is. And I think that's just what he wants to project to his team, what he wants to project to the public. People don't need to take him saying that, however he said it, whatever was the tone, they don't need to take that after the Missouri loss on Sunday night to mean that he will not ever make a change because those are two totally and completely different conversations. Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, before we get any further, going to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax, uh, 803-462-5576. Um, it is not tax season yet, but uh, Liberty Tax can help you with uh, several different things, even in the tax offseason, especially if you own a business. If uh, you need someone to handle your payroll services, your bookkeeping services, they have a QuickBooks Pro Advisor on staff. Um, tax team has tax team at Liberty Tax has locations at Irmo, Columbia, Lexington, eleven twenty three South Lake Drive. That's Lexington, seven four sixty seven St Andrews Road in Irmo, and five fifty one St Andrews Road in Columbia. Again, 803-462-5576. Shout out to Larry. Appreciate um, those folks uh, being a supporter of the show here on GC Live. Chris, let's talk a little bit of recruiting, man. We'll go back to the game, I guess, to, to finish it off here at the end. But uh, Elijah Davis coming in. Sounds like that visit went well. And uh, he's obviously, for those who don't know, Juco kid, uh, originally for Wagner Sally here in South Carolina, is off at East Mississippi Community College. And someone that uh, really has kind of blown up since he got out there, Alabama, Tennessee, the other schools, other major schools that are involved. Gamecock's getting him on, on his official visit this past weekend. That was his first official of the process. Um, but, I, Chris, I continue to hear that South Carolina is in really good shape here. Well, we know that the Gamecocks are going to lose Zach Pickens, another former Palmetto State prospect uh, product after this season going on to the NFL. And, obviously, he's played quite well this year. So, there's an opportunity for some early playing time there. You would think Tonka Hemingway – Boogie Huntley will be the the guys that are expected to to be the main ones there, but they'll need some more depth there. They'll need some guys to step up with some more playing time. And uh, Elijah Davis is someone that's really been on our radar for quite a while, Wes, since he was in high school. You're right. He's gone out to junior college, um, you know, really continued to develop. Someone that the staff has really targeted under Beamer for quite a while uh, to bring in, and, and things seem to be – Going very well there. Um, you know, always good to be able to obviously recruit on the line of scrimmage. South Carolina's got a pretty good class going in terms of you look at their defensive line prospects, their offensive line prospects. Clear that they want to add talent there. And Davis would be another really quality acquisition there if they can if they can finish that one off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Zach Pickens. I think that's the message here is hey, um, you know, come in, be the guy, be the man. Um, you know, you add someone with a little bit more. Um, you know, just physical maturity than if you were just bringing in a, a high school guy and someone that has absolutely, um, you know, just blown up in the recruiting process once he got there. He he says he's going to official to Alabama, official to Tennessee. Those are not set up at this point. Wants to decide in November. So, you know, basically it seems like the process is kind of coming to an end. We'll see if he takes officials to either of those schools coming up here soon or not, uh, but it'll be very, 
very interesting to follow there. But I, again, I think Gamecocks are in pretty good spot, and they have been for a while. I think getting back home, it sounds like, is a uh, desirable thing for Elijah. Um, Chris, I guess let's give a few final thoughts on the game. Um, you sound so thrilled about doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, let's call yeah. it what it is, man. I. Yeah. I love I love my job and I but I love my job so much more when people are like engaged and excited oh, yeah. and like yeah. to hear about it, like to talk about it. It's monotonous when it's like um offense stinks and then er, you know everybody has a hot take and um you know it, it really Frank, it's not here's the thing. This is as much as long as I've been following South Carolina football. As long as I have been covering South Carolina football, there is one thing that I have learned has been true for the entire time. And that is, and this really applies to every team in the world that has ever played football. Your team is not ever as good as you think they are after a big win. And they're not ever as bad as you think they are after a loss. Like, it, yep. it really is always some – like, you know, we got people on here saying no way that South Carolina beats Vandy. Probably some of the same people who after the first few games were saying, you know, this team will struggle to win four games. Like, you know, it's – it's you know, every single game ultimately does stand on its own merit. South Carolina found a way to win against Kentucky and A&M. Played well enough to win. They found a way to not play well this week. And I think fan bases struggle to sort of, um, I guess, pair together. Okay, my team did not play well at all this week versus what's happening overall in the season. And, um, you know, they're five and three. If they bounce back, Go take care of business against Vanderbilt, which I admit is probably going to be a pretty ugly game, but South Carolina should win. They get to six and three. You can salvage things and try to finish the season on a high note. Now, if we're talking big picture, I get it. Again, I'll say it a hundred times. Offense struggles there. I get it. I'm with y'all. Anybody frustrated with the offensive output, you have a case, you have a point. If I was, you know, just Gamecock fan commenting as well, I would feel the exact same way. So, um, yeah, that that's where I am on the whole thing. But it it is it just when they when Carolina loses and it's for the same reasons, it does get monotonous. All all of the points that have been made, I think for the for the most, I don't say all, all all the dialogue that I've seen for the most part has been very fair criticisms of things after the game, deservedly so. There's not much gray area on that performance, Wes. It's not a great team that you played. You looked unprepared. You looked flat. You laid an egg. All those things. Also unfair, and I and I think if I had to guess, Wes, I think there's some frustration on the part of Shane Beamer in that losing this game, it's almost like people have forgotten the two weeks before that. That's also fair, right? Like if you feel that way within the program – as the coach or as a player or player's parent or whoever, I think it's fair to feel that way too. But here, here let, let me give the great, you know, one of the biggest cliches I'll ever give on the show. South Carolina can't let that game beat them twice. You got to go and play Vandy. 
Shane Beamer talked on Sunday during his teleconference about uh, how much energy they had during practice and how it's one of the most energetic practices he's ever had. Well, we saw last year they were able to follow up some bad losses with some good performances and some wins. If yeah, you can say, oh, well, it was against Auburn, it was against Florida, they were reeling. Well, South Carolina was a reeling program too, and they found a way to do it. Credit them for that. Uh, can you go and do that? You've got actually, Wes, not just one, but two quite winnable games back to back. You go to at Vandy, go at Florida. I don't think Florida's that great. That's very much a toss-up game. Florida, Florida probably favored, if I had to guess. Not by a lot. But that's a winnable game. And then, of course, you got two kind of doozies there at the end of the year. But you still have a chance for a good year. I think people's kind of micro concerns about what they saw in Missouri and some of the other games are very fair. And I think projecting it forward and looking at the big picture of Will South Carolina be able to take advantage this season, given how much they lose off this team? Will they be able to take advantage in recruiting? New transfer portal window, Wes, opens in early December, 45 days. Will South Carolina be able to take advantage then? Because that's going to be a critical part of recruiting. How does the offensive output and how recruits and transfers view the offense in the program in general – how does that affect things? Those are very, very valid and fair concerns and um, a lot left to play out, you know, here at the end of the year. Yeah. And it's Chris going to be a madhouse. Um, Completely insane. Window that yeah. uh, transfer portal window. I mean, yeah. So, you know, and you have uh, now you have, I guess your first major. Well, I guess, um, Arizona State was probably the first major coaching um, firing of the season. So, you know, Nebraska. All, do I, well, yeah, Nebraska too. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty big. Um, point being, it's already starting. And when the, the those two things now will forever be tied together in that when you have coaching changes, a bunch of guys hit the portal, and a bunch of guys are going to hit the portal regardless of if their coaches leave or not for every reason you can think of. But here's the thing: you better be, you better be situated, right, to be able to take advantage. If you're not one of the teams losing a bunch of guys, you better be in a situation to take advantage of those teams and go sign difference makers. Absolutely. I mean, you know, South Carolina's doing; they've done some good work on the recruiting trail, the high school, the junior college ranks in this class. But again, regardless, take out. Any staff, any staffing moves right now, you've got a lot of work to do to bring talent into this program um, because of what you lose off of this year's team. There, there are some guys that will have decisions. There's some very key, you know, swing guys, I guess you could call them in this class. There's some guys that we know are going to be gone, and there are a lot of those, and there are a lot of impactful ones at that. So uh, you've got to stock not only high school and junior college, but transfer portal recruiting we've reported this many times on gamecockcentral.com is going to be critical in this class and so um i think the way you put it is perfect you need to be set up and well situated to pounce when the time is right you, you can't wait around because it's going to be a complete madhouse Whew, we got some takes in the chat today y'all um i don't even think i'm i'm going there though so uh 
What up, what up? You got any final thoughts on the game, Chris? This is going to be a short show. I don't care. It's going to be short. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's um, – I, I think I think the game we're about tapped out on, um, it, the game itself. There is a lot big picture to discuss. I feel like that's where we're going to end up most of this week. We're, of course, going to talk about Vandy eventually. We'll get there. Um, but Vandy and big picture, seems like everybody wants to flush – the Missouri game, and I'm fine. The people have spoken, Wes. Let's fl- let's flush it. Yeah, the people have spoken. We're gonna listen. Uh, that's it for today. We'll be back. Uh, Mike Uva uh, weighing in. He'll be on here on Tuesday evening. Chris and I'll be back on Wednesday. Um, we'll try to get a Vandy guest. How about that? Uh, very winnable game for South Carolina. Good opportunity to bounce back, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. All right. Appreciate y'all joining in. Appreciate y'all tuning in. The support, as always, has been great. Um, Y'all have a good one. We'll reconvene later this week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.